Hey friends, thanks for joining us today as we continue in our series that we're calling Our House. And throughout this series, we're giving you a snapshot of our church. And we're going to talk about why we do what we do, as well as the values that we have and why we have them. And so last week, if you watched last week's message, I laid out for you the origin story of Next Level Church. And I shared uh, not just how we got started, but more importantly, why we got started and all the awesome things that God has done through us. Then, as we went through that message, I also kind of laid in front of you a challenge that I see for us as we continue forward. But not just a challenge for us as a local church, it really is a challenge for the church at large. And that is, in the face of all that culture is throwing at us, how do we stay relevant to the next generation? And I asked you a very important question. And the question I asked you is this, what is the faith of the next generation worth? What is the faith of the next generation worth? And for me, probably for many of you as well, the answer is it's worth everything. The faith of the next generation is worth everything. And so because of that, we are doubling down on our commitment to do things that no one else, I mean no other church, is willing to do so that we might be able to reach the people that no one else is reaching. Now, In order to do this, there's a very important thing that our church, and when I say our church, I'm saying you and me and everyone who calls Next Level Church home, because a church is a community of people. It's not a building. It's not a place or a location. It's a group of people. So in order for you and I to know what to do and to have the courage and the power to do what needs to be done, there is a very important ingredient that is uh, needed in this formula. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. And to get there, I want to ask you a question, okay? I put this question out on my social media uh, this week. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? If you could have a superpower... What would it be? So I put this on all my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else that I could post it. And um, I I gave some suggestions to the question, but I left it open-ended. And the answers have kind of surprised me. The number three answer, uh, what do you think it was? Superpower. Shape-shifting. I'm not sure what people are wanting to do there, but that seemed to be a pretty common answer. I'd love to be able to shape-shift. Number two was really interesting. Healing powers. Now, I kind of get that one because of all of the hurt and the sickness and you know, everything that we're bombarded with. It'd be really cool to be able to heal anyone at any time from anything. That was number two. The number one answer, teleportation. Yeah, that was chosen even over flying. And at first, it kind of surprised me. But when I started to think about it, teleportation makes more sense, right? Why fly when you can just Boop, appear there, right? Anyway, this was a very interesting thought experiment that I went through. And the reason that I asked it is because as we look at being a church that actually reaches people that are far from God, we kind of need a superpower. And the superpowers that we see in movies, uh, when you think about those, they generally come when someone encounters or taps into some special power source. So Superman figures out that he derives his power from the sun here in our solar system. Thor gets his power from his magical hammer. Spider-Man is bitten by a radioactive spider. And, And the best stories are the ones where just a normal person becomes extraordinary when they encounter this you know, power source, like Spider-Man, you know, talking about Spider-Man being bit or Captain America. So the question is, is there a superpower that you and I, you, 
can actually encounter? Is there a superpower that you can actually tap into? And the answer is yes, there is. And not only is it available to you, we as a church need you to tap into this if we're going to actually reach people far from God where we live, work, and play. But maybe even more importantly for you, you need to be able to tap into this superpower for you. You know, as I was thinking about this, for some of you, your marriage is depending on this. For some of you, your job, your financial future is dependent on this. Your relationship with your children is dependent on this. Your ability to reach your dreams or achieve your purpose or even discover what your purpose is. All of this is at stake when it comes to tapping into this superpower. When I tell you the superpower, here's what I know. The temptation for you is just going to be to tune me out or just to think, yeah, I've heard that before or nod yes, but never actually do anything about it. Because in church, the tendency is that over time, you become desensitized to this power source. You can even become ambivalent or apathetic towards this. It's all something you're told all the time in church that you should be doing, but honestly, very few people actually do this. And the superpower that I'm talking about is this. Again, don't, don't roll your eyes on me. It's prayer. Okay? Now, I told you, don't roll your eyes on me. I want you to at least hear me out on this, because I'm sure almost everyone here has engaged in some form of prayer, especially if things have ever gone terribly wrong in your life. Because if they have, I know you have prayed before. I talk to people all the time, and you know, sometimes the subject of prayer comes up. And there are a couple of really important questions that I get when we begin to uh, deal with what it is that when we're talking about prayer, especially as we're going to talk about this as a superpower that we need to tap into. And one of the most common questions that I get around this idea of prayer is, does God actually speak to people? Does God actually speak to people? Now, for some of you, that might have an obvious answer, and I understand that. But there are a lot of people that are just not sure that he does. Because, okay, we hear people all the time say things like, the Lord said this to me, right, or God told me. And then what you see happen just backs up the fact that God must not have really said anything to it. There's no way that God told you that. I mean, look at the results of what happened. We've seen people do horrible things to manipulate people by using the phrase, God told me, right? Uh, I mean, how are you going to argue with God? And so people, they use this and they abuse that term all the time. And because of things like this, the question of whether or not God speaks to people is one that has been debated for centuries. There are many people who believe that God does speak to them, and there are many people who do not. Now, there's evidence in the Bible to support the idea that God does speak directly to people. So we read stories about Moses and Abraham and Samuel. And then in the New Testament, Jesus himself, who we believe is God in flesh, spoke to people. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to guide and speak and comfort people. And however, though, in the Bible, there's also evidence that God does not always speak in some sort of audible voice to people. For example, if you look in the book of 1 Kings, God is uh, telling Elijah that he's not going to speak to him in a strong wind or an earthquake. How does God speak? through the gentle whisper of a wind. And here's what I've concluded. 
in spite of all the excesses, God does speak to people. How does he do it? Well, primarily, he speaks to us through this document, this living, breathing Bible, right? Uh, It is a living, breathing book that God uses to inspire us and to speak to us. So God speaks to us through the text, but God can actually speak to me through prayer, right? This is a question that you got to work out. Does God speak to me? Can God speak to me through prayer? Because as long as you don't believe that God will speak to you, guess what? Even when he does speak to you, you'll never believe that it was God speaking in the first place. So you kind of have to wrestle this idea to the ground. Does God speak to me? Can he speak to me through prayer? Do I believe that God speaks to people? And do I believe that God can speak to me? But once you resolve that first question, the next big question I hear is this. How can I hear God speak to me? Okay, if he can speak to me, how can I hear him speak to me? If prayer is going to become a superpower, well, then you got to learn how to hear the voice of God. And here's the thing. God is a relational being. He desires to have a relationship with us. And one of the ways that he expresses his love for us is by speaking to us. You, you may not understand this, but he wants to guide us in our lives. He wants to help us make wise decisions. He wants to give us comfort and strength. But how do we hear from God? Like, How do we hear him speak to us? Well, Jesus actually addresses this in a story. The story is found in Luke chapter 8. It's called the parable of the sower and the seed. You've probably heard it. It's one of the more famous parables in the Bible. And in it, Jesus explains kind of some steps on how, how to hear God speak to you. Now, for some background, Jesus is using an illustration of a farmer. And in this story, the same seed that you're going to see that's used is the same seed in all four instances. But there are four different kinds of soil. And after Jesus tells the story, the disciples are confused. So, fortunately for us, they ask for an explanation, and Jesus gives the explanation to them. So, let's start with the story, and then we'll look at Jesus's explanation. So Luke chapter 8, he begins, or this story part begins in verse 5, where he says, A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, okay, he's scattering. They didn't plant seed by seed. Scattered across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out all the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. Now, at this point, Jesus tells a story, and I'm sure the disciples are thinking, okay, great, you just gave us a lesson in agriculture. Um, is there some sort of point to this? You, you said that you would make us fishers of men. Now are you preparing us to become farmers of men? Like, why are we talking about farming stuff here? So they asked Jesus about this, and then he begins to explain the meaning of the story to them. And in this story, we find instruction, kind of in the explanation, on how to hear God speak to you. Verse 12, he begins to explain. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So one of the first things that Jesus is teaching us, in order to hear God speak, one of the first things that he's saying is I have to have an open heart. 
I, I have to have an open heart. In, in other words, if I want to hear him speak, I have to desire to hear him speak. I have to be teachable. I have to be receptive, eager, ready to learn. I need to be open-minded to God. Many people, they don't hear God speak because they're closed-minded. They don't even consider the possibility that they could hear God speak. They've closed their minds and hearts are like that hard path that he talked about and nothing gets through. So Jesus says that this hardened path represents a closed heart or a closed mind, right? It's a person who rejects the whole idea of God speaking. Um, she might be willing to, unwilling to listen to God. God never gets a chance to let him in his life. So I think a great question to ask would be, well, what causes us to have a hard path? Why is it that sometimes we don't really want to hear God speak? Well, I've got three possible ideas that I see played out. The first is fear. I don't want to hear God speak because I'm afraid. Fear can really harden us towards God. We're afraid of what he might say. Right? He might alter my lifestyle. He might make some changes in me. I might have to have some restitution. I might have to offer up forgiveness. I might have to do something I really don't want to do. Fear causes us to be defensive towards God, right? And, and, and we get a hard heart because we're worried about things. Second thing is pride. Pride causes us to become hardened towards God. Uh, maybe it's because, well, you know, I don't need God's advice here. I've, I've got my own thing. I can make my own way. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm my own boss. Like, like God, I, I'm glad you're there. I just don't need you right now. Right? I've discovered that pride really is just a smokescreen for insecurity. I'm so afraid of my weaknesses that I don't even want to admit my weaknesses to myself. So I begin to become hard and defensive. A, a third thing could be, and I see this a lot, bitterness. Right? Life causes pain. We all get hurt in life. And sometimes in response to hurt, what we want to do is kind of withdraw into a shell and build up a wall and put a crust around us so nobody can get close. We don't want to be vulnerable because we don't want to be hurt again. I completely understand it. So we put this wall up. And a lot of times, though, even God can't get through that wall. And this leads us to becoming cynical or callous or hardened. And we find ourselves asking questions like, well, why did God let that happen? Well, we become defensive. Way back, seems like a lifetime ago, in 1998, I had moved from Florida to Atlanta to start a church. In the process, I kind of went door to door to homes, talking to people about what they might need or what they would want in a new church. And through that process, I discovered the people who were the most hostile to me were people who had been burned in a church experience or people who had been hurt by other Christians. And now, because of that, they were bitter and they had built up this wall around themselves that not even God was going to get through that wall. So let me say, if that has happened to you, if a church or another Christian has hurt you, first off, let me just say, on behalf of God and his church, I am sorry that that happened. It should never have happened to you. But with that, let me encourage you with something. Don't dwell on it. right? Don't let it make you bitter. Never let another person destroy your relationship and your fellowship with God. Never. You don't have to. It's your choice. The tragedy of this kind of barren lifestyle is that it bears no fruit. It's unproductive. Nothing can grow there, as Jesus said. It's wasted. Jesus said the birds are going to come along and they're going to eat the seed. So if you want to hear God speak to you, very first thing, you got to have an open heart. Then Jesus goes on. Let's look at what he has to say in verse 13. 
He says, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Well, it's a little bit of background here. Most of Israel is covered with uh, a bedrock of limestone. And there's a very thin layer of soil over that bedrock of limestone. So you can plant something in the ground, and it will come up real quick because they've got the soil in the ground. But it can't take root because of that hard bedrock that's underneath. So when the summer comes, when the heat comes, when the rain stops, things just wilt and die. So Jesus is using this fact to illustrate a point. He says that the shallow soil represents a superficial heart. This is the impulsive person, if I'm you know, trying to translate it a little bit. They react emotionally. They, they get super excited, but never take any kind of consistent action. So how do you counter that so that you can hear the voice of God? Spend regular time, regular, consistent time with God. And I'm sure you have people in your life who are kind of spontaneous like that. You know, uh, the friend who's always coming up with new ideas and projects, and they're so excited about each new idea that they can't wait to get started. We we all have a friend like that. Maybe you are that friend. But oftentimes they lose interest, and they don't see their projects through to completion. So they come to you, and they're excited. They're going to start a new business, only to abandon it in just a few weeks when they get frustrated because there's a lot of hard work and it's not exciting anymore. Or they sign up for some new class, but they only go to a few sessions before they lose interest. Jesus is saying that a relationship with God can kind of be like that. You can get crazy excited about a relationship with God, but if you don't take time, consistent, regular time, to let the Word of God sink into your life, the relationship It's just going to fade away. It's going to go by the side. I've been a pastor for nearly 30 years now. It's hard for me to believe I'm saying that. And I've seen this a lot. Oftentimes when I'm standing out front after a service, people will come out, you know, first-time reactions to the church. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. That was fantastic. I was moved to tears. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get started in my relationship with God. And, and, and they are. They're excited. They're, they're happy about God. They're happy about church. And then I never see them again, Right? They're thrilled, but they're not transformed. There's no lasting commitment. They receive it with joy. They're excited at the start, but they don't let it sink in, and it just doesn't have any depth. If you're going to hear God's voice and know that it's God's voice, you need to spend regular, consistent time with God. This is because the more time you spend with God, the better you will get at knowing Him. The better you know God, the better you'll be able to recognize his voice. And you can only get there by being consistent. And when I say spend regular time with God, here's what I mean. Just do things like this on the regular. Read the Bible, right? Worship God by listening or or singing songs. You can meditate on God's character. You can spend time in nature and listen to God's voice in creation. Serve other people who are in need that are all around you. As you spend time with God, you'll begin to develop a relationship with him. You'll learn to trust him and rely on him. You'll learn to recognize his voice when he speaks to you. But you cannot do any of that unless you spend regular, consistent time with him. Now, Jesus goes on, and the next thing that he talks about is, is, quite honestly, it's always a battle for me. So in verse 14, 
He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. So here we see a third thing for us to do if we want to hear God's voice. So we're spending regular time with God, and then we need to eliminate the distractions. When we're spending time with him, we got to eliminate the distractions. If you really want to hear God, there are some things that you're going to have to cut out of your life. The fact is, we often, I know I often, miss God's voice when my mind is just crowded with other thoughts, other plans, other ideas, other goals, other activities. Our mind gets so full that we can't hear God speak. If you want to feel close to God or hear him speak to you, You'll need a quiet space in your mind. Think about this. If your brain is kind of like a room, and you're in this room, and it's filled with noisy people, and they're all talking at once, how difficult will it be to hear a friend whispering something to you from the other side of the room? Right? Today, we have so many things grabbing our attention. Phones are buzzing. You have busy schedules. We have endless tasks. All of this noise can stop us from hearing the quiet message from God that generally comes through our inner feelings. To really hear those quiet messages, we need to make our minds calm and peaceful. This could be finding a few moments each day to sit quietly, to pray, to just think. And like turning down the volume on a loud radio, this is what you do so you can hear someone speaking to you. When we make this quiet time a regular thing, we get better at hearing and understanding the special, me- special messages meant just for us. Being consistent in this time is like opening a door to deeper feelings and thoughts. And here is what I have come to learn. God is already speaking, probably to every one of you. Most of the time, we just have so many distractions that our mind is so cluttered, God can't get a word in edgewise, even if he wanted to. So Jesus says, if you want to hear God speak to you, you have to eliminate some of those distractions. And specifically, if you look, he mentions three different kinds of weeds that are distractions. So let's talk about these for just a second. First one he talks about is worries. Right? Life's worries. Often life presents us with challenges and pressures that can feel overwhelming. Right? Things that range from personal dilemmas to professional hurdles to emotional struggles and financial pressures. And when faced with all of those obstacles, it is a common tendency to rely solely on me and my understanding, my resources, and my strength. So we spend our days and honestly most of our sleepless nights trying to figure out a solution to the problem. That is worry. Jesus says that trying to navigate these problems without God's help is a distraction. It is a worry. These worries are like a weed that chokes life right out of us. Most of us have experienced that. Then he talks about riches, right? Riches. Now, this seems silly, right? I mean, who would spend all their time trying to make a buck? Right? Who would actually get distracted by thinking about bills and budgets and investment and careers and, and all of that? Well, all of us. Right? Jesus says those can crowd into our life and we can get so busy making a living that we do not have time to make a life. It becomes a weed and it chokes out what God wants to say to us. After all, you're just too 
busy. And then the last thing that he mentions are pleasures, life's pleasures. Even good things, things that are good, can become a weed in your life. When recreation takes priority over worship, it becomes a weed. When my hobbies, when my camper, when my boat, uh, right, when they get out in front of God, they become a God themselves. And Jesus says, watch out. So Jesus, in this verse, says that a weed is anything that robs my time with God. It's a misplaced priority. And how much effort does it take to grow weeds? I'm a pro at growing weeds, right? I've cultivated some strains of weeds that nobody has ever seen before. Like, it didn't take any effort at all. Weeds are a sign of neglect. When I begin to neglect time with God, time fellowshipping with other Christians, then weeds start growing up in my life and I stop bearing fruit. I become an unproductive person simply out of neglect. So, to hear God, Jesus says I have to cultivate an open heart. I've got to set aside time right, to listen to God, and I have to eliminate the distractions. And then he gives us the result. So in doing these things, he gives us the result of cultivating what he calls good soil for hearing his voice. Verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's voice, cling to it, and patiently produce I love this, a huge harvest. So the result of paying attention to this is what Jesus says himself, a huge harvest. When you do these things, and when you're tuned in to hear God, God will start speaking to you. And the result, you bear fruit, you produce a crop, you're productive, your life is worthwhile. It is a huge harvest. It is significant. Your life is has significance financially. You begin to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And with that, your money begins to have a sense of purpose. You begin to make decisions that lead to financial stability and prosperity. Now, this doesn't mean that you get immediate wealth or it doesn't even guarantee wealth, but rather it means you will make wise financial choices like savings, right? You'll be given opportunities that were previously overlooked or unseen. God's guidance can act as a compass, pointing out paths that lead to both short-term and long-term financial well-being, not just for you, but more importantly, he leads you to use some of that gain to benefit the community around you. And another benefit of good soil is when you hear the voice of God and do what it says, right, this connection to God results in healthier relationships. This is because with God's guidance, you begin to approach relationships with empathy and patience and understanding and compromise. There's a deeper commitment to resolving conflicts and understanding your partner or friends and family members and establishing connections based on trust and mutual respect. Over time, this leads to stronger bonds, friendships that last, and familial ties that weather any storm. There's another, like the last thing that I really want to talk about when you have good soil. When you hear the voice of God and you do what he says... It leads to an understanding of purpose in your life. With that kind of clarity and action and decisions, they they become more aligned with a greater purpose. And instead of wandering around aimlessly or jumping from one task to another, there is directed effort towards achieving what God is showing you are meant to do. 
This could be pursuing a particular career or embarking on serving in some area of our community or simply making everyday choices that are in line with your connection to God. And I know all of that sounds amazing, right? I get it. It's great. And I know we all want that. But here's what I've learned, and here's what Jesus is saying. You don't get there overnight. You can't get to that level of guidance by saying a 30-second prayer in the midst of a crisis, right? We've all done that, and that's what we want. It takes time to cultivate this level of hearing from God. It takes an open heart where you deal with what is going on inside, rooting out the bitterness and pride and fear and anything else. You have to be willing to cut out the distractions. You have to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry in your life. And when you do, you will hear the voice of God. So as we wrap up, let me just ask you a simple question. If God did an x-ray on your heart, what would it reveal? Uh, would it reveal a, a preoccupied heart? Would it say, I've been too busy for God. I, I, he's taken a backseat in my life. Uh, do I tend to give God my leftovers, my leftover time, my leftover money? Would it reveal fear? God, I, I, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of what you might say. Would it reveal bitterness where God... Uh, where were you when I was hurt? I'm not sure that I want or even want to trust you anymore. What are the weeds? Would it reveal weeds crowding out his voice in his life, right? Uh, there may be good things. We get so involved in, in so many things, and all these things are fine, but they start crowding out what ought to be top priority in my life, and I can't hear God anymore. He just seems so far away because I'm so busy. And here's the truth. I see so much, so much potential in our church. Uh, you guys have an amazing heart. You're willing to do so much as a church. But I also believe God wants to do something amazing through you individually. There are ministries. There are nonprofits. He wants to start in our community that will shake Union County and Mecklenburg County for Christ. I believe that. God is going to do great things through you. I believe that God is going to make next level our church community a model of church and community outreach for other churches. I see so much incredible potential, but it's only going to happen when we make ourselves available. When we say, Lord, here I am. I've got an open heart. I'm willing to eliminate distractions. I'm willing to listen to you to make time and to cooperate with whatever you say. When you do that, he will use you in a way that you could never imagine. I see what God sees in your life. Maybe you don't see it yet, but I see it and God sees it. And I wish I could share with you what I really feel in my heart about how I talk with, uh, about some of you and how I look into your faces and how I see what God wants to do in your life. Some things that you have never even imagined. He's given you some talents that maybe you don't even know are there, some abilities, some spiritual gifts. He has brought you to this point in time and he says, I want to use you in a significant way. It's my prayer that God will raise up a dynamic army of people, some godly men and some godly women who are totally committed to Jesus who will say, I want to build a dynamic, godly family. I want to be committed to my church. I want to see my business, my career as a platform to share 
about the good news of Jesus. And for our high school and our college students, I see you as God's agent in your school where you stand against almost every stereotype of what a Christian is and you choose to show God's love to everyone, where you choose to grow in faith rather than cave in and thinking that Christianity is something to be shed. So the question is, what is keeping me from hearing God say that to me personally? Is there anything that's there? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I, I'm just praying, God, that you would help us to con cultivate an open heart. God, I want to see what you see in my life. Father, help me to allocate time to listen. Help me to develop some roots and not be half-hearted and shallow in my commitment. God, I want to give 100%. I want to sell out to you. I want to drive a stake in the ground. And today, from now on, I am yours. Lord, help me to eliminate the distractions in my life. And I know God is speaking to some of you. He's impressing on your heart this still, small voice. And he's saying to you, I want all of you. Would you just say, God, I'm available. I'm yours. The world is changed when individual people are completely, totally consumed with the will of God. God uses ordinary people in spite of our problems, imperfections, hang-ups, our past mistakes. If you get usable, He will wear you out. There is nothing more fulfilling in life than feeling like I'm part of the greatest purpose in the world, the advancement of the kingdom of God. You can know that my life has meaning because of what I'm giving my life for, and it's going to outlast my life. It's going to have eternal consequences. So God is saying to you today, I want you. Just say, Jesus, take all of me. Father, I know that you so deeply want to speak to us, but often we're on a different channel and we're so distracted. Help us to cultivate an open heart. Lord, help us to allocate time to spend with you. Help us to eliminate the distractions and cooperate with what you say so that you might use our lives in ways that we could never imagine. Thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content, as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, when you do that, that helps us to accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, there's something else that I, you can do to help us. I ask you uh, this every week. If you would head over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org, when you click that Give button and choose one of the options there, uh, your faithful support helps us continue to be a church, to produce content, to get out into our community where we are raising the reputation of Jesus, where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, I want to read to you the verse that I read to you last week, uh, Jesus' words from Matthew 28, where he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you go on mission with him, as you listen to him, as you make time for him, may he you, empower you to live out your faith, and may you know that his mission is worth everything. Hey, guys, have a blessed week. We'll see you back, hopefully in person. I'd love to see you next week.